Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder but it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you it's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be emmy nominated tv producers each episode of slaycation also includes humor takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last if you're ready to pack your body bags slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every town has a dark side. Portland, Oregon has a lot of true crime stories to tell, but one of them, in my mind, stands out above the rest. Because for one, it revolves around the disappearance of a seven-year-old kid who was yet to be found. And also, because, well, it appears as though the person responsible was someone very close to him. At this point in the case, that's all just speculation. And Kyron Horman went missing one day from school back in 2010. And as we dug into this case, it became frustrating to see one dead end after another, as well as several mistakes and lies come to light. Hey guys, it's Andrew. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Every Town. Where today we're headed to the northwestern part of the U.S. to investigate a strange case that has a lot of signs pointing to one culprit. But because the hard evidence is missing, it still remains an unsolved mystery to this day. And at the heart of it is a young and innocent kid who remains missing. So let's head over to Portland, Oregon, and hear more about the strange vanishing of Kyron Horman. Kyron was born back on September 9th of 2002. Just about a month before he came into this world, his father Kane, who worked at Intel as an engineer, and his mother Desiree got divorced, citing irreconcilable differences. 
Now, getting divorced while just a month short of having your first child has certainly happened. It usually means that something pretty devastating happened. As it turns out, that's exactly what occurred here. Because Cain was caught having an affair with a woman who he just couldn't resist. She was 32-year-old Terry Moulton. But who knows, maybe theirs was a true love, at least for a while. Terry and Kane would end up sticking it through. They went on to get married in 2007. And Terry, though, perhaps feeling a bit embarrassed by the true way they had met, how she had helped break up a marriage, always told people that she had fallen for Kane when he hired her to babysit his son. So right out the gate, we have a couple red flags waving here for Terry. Because for one, she had no moral dilemma getting involved with a married man. And two, she can certainly lie. More on that very soon. And Kane and Terry would go on to have a daughter of their own named Kiara in December of 2008. And around this time, young Kyron would spend his time in between living with his biological mom, Desiree, and his father. But that was only until Desiree suffered from some severe kidney issues that required her to move back in with her parents. So after that, Kyron lived full-time with his dad and stepmom and stepsister. It was a bit of an adjustment for all when that happened, especially for Terry who now had little baby Kiara, and there was just a lot to take care of. For work, Terry was a substitute teacher, but she only did that part-time. Her real focus was mainly on taking care of her newborn, a house, and of course, Kyron. She was there to help the little boy with his schoolwork, take him to things like soccer practice. Conrad was a really smart and cute kid. He took an interest in science and even at the young age of seven, hoped to someday potentially work in the field of forensic science. In fact, the last photo of him ever taken was one where he was wearing a CSI TV show t-shirt while he proudly displayed his science fair diorama that focused on the biology and history of the colorful tree frog. The photo shows him with a big smile and glasses on. He looks proud at what he had accomplished, and stepmother Terry was the one who took the snapshot. It was captured on June 4th of 2010. It was near the end of the school year at Skyline Elementary School. That summer weather was just about to kick in in the northwestern part of the U.S., and this project was Kyron's culmination of several weeks' worth of work I'm sure he was excited to wrap up the school year and spend time at home with his family. All summer long, just him and his baby stepsister, keeping Terry busy, no doubt. Only, that would never happen because, on that very same day, Kyron somehow disappeared from school and he hasn't been seen since. He'd be 21 years old now, Perhaps there's a possibility that he's still out there somewhere. Although, that doesn't seem likely once you hear all the details of the case.
And so after he showed that diorama, what exactly happened? How does a seven-year-old up and vanish? Where did he go and who did he go with? Well, here's a timeline of events as the authorities were able to piece them together. On that morning, Terry Hell packed up Kyron's toad project because he had to present first thing in the morning. He drove him to school along with her infant daughter and together, Kyron and Terry set up the project for the second grade science fair. It was busy in the school's hallways that day, as you can imagine. And parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters were all there to support their second graders. They displayed what they had created. And once Kyron was all set, Terry took off as she had to run some errands and take care of her daughter who wasn't feeling well. She had an ear infection. And Kyron was never seen again after that. He never attended any classes that day and he, of course, never returned home. Seeing as Terry was the last family member to be with the boy, it was important to understand her day's events after she left school. Directly after leaving, she headed over to a grocery store to find some medicine for her baby. When they didn't have what she was looking for, she then went to another grocery store and was seen leaving there on CCTV cameras at 10.10 a.m. Between then and 11.39 a.m., so just about exactly 90 minutes, she then claimed she drove around just looking to soothe Kiara's ear infection. There was something about the moving car that helped ease the poor baby's pain. At 11.39, she then clocked in at a 24-hour fitness where she stayed for around an hour. By 1.21 p.m. that day, Terry was back at home again, logging into her Facebook page where she posted the picture of Kyron with his toad project from earlier in the day. When Kane got home from work at around 2.30, he found his wife sitting on her laptop plugging away. They chatted about the science fair and how the baby was doing. Kane then grabbed something to eat and by 3.30 p.m., the two of them headed out to the bus stop to wait for their son to come home. However, the bus came and went, and the boy was never on it. Kane and Terry drove to the school where they then discovered that Kyron had been marked absent for the entire day. In a bit of a panic at that point, they had the school secretary called 911 so they could report him missing. 911, what is your emergency? What transpired after that would be Oregon's largest missing person search effort to date. No one knew exactly what happened, and there were really no signs that pointed the authorities in any one direction, and so... At the time, there was a real fear that maybe he just wandered off and got lost. The little boy could be out there somewhere, wandering, trying to find his way home, so they had to find him. 
Within the first week, there were over 300 trained rescuers searching a radius that spread out with the school at its center. Volunteers poured in from other states like nearby Washington and California to help. In the end, over 1,300 people tried to locate the boy, but still, no sign of him could be found anywhere. In the beginning, Kyron's family didn't want to speak to the media. It was all very overwhelming for them, trying to cope with what was happening. But having seen such an outpouring from their community, they really had no other choice but to at least thank everyone, which they did five days after Kyron disappeared. They asked everyone in their statement to keep an eye out and search their own property in case he was hiding somewhere. But as this case evolved, little things started to pop up that just didn't seem to add up. For example, there were varying eyewitness accounts from the school on the day in question, with one boy saying he saw a Chiron near the south entrance of the school alone at around 9am. Then, Chiron's friend, his grandmother, and sister as well as Kyron's bus driver, said they saw Terry and Kyron headed out towards the main road, which is where their car was around 8.45 a.m. outside the front entrance. They also said there was a man in the truck, so who was he? It wasn't Kane as he was at work, but Terry claims this simply never happened. If she was seen heading to the car, it was to get parts of the science fair project to bring back inside, but nothing more and nothing less. The school claims they had Kyron marked as being out for the day as he had a doctor's appointment on the books. This is why they didn't alert anyone earlier about him being absent. But Kyron's family said this was all just the school's way of covering themselves from a lawsuit, that no one signed out Kyron for the day. And furthermore, the school couldn't provide any proof that they were told about the doctor's appointment in the first place. So things were slightly askew from the jump in this case. Everything wasn't lining up in a clear line as it should, which forced authorities to then dig deeper. Father Kane, Mother Desiree, her husband Tony, who was also a police officer, and Terry were then all brought in to take lie detector tests. And all of them passed with flying colors. Well, all except for Terry. The cops then started hounding her more about details of her day that June 4th. On top of the failing test, they didn't like the fact that she had an entire 90-minute window that morning where she just aimlessly drove around. And where she drove around was also suspicious. Terry's phone pinged her along Highway 30. The locals know that to be a road less traveled. It's out in the rural sticks, which made them wonder why she'd be out in the middle of nowhere, even if she were driving her baby around.
But could Terry really have done something sinister to her stepson? I mean, what would be the reason behind it? That's exactly what the police were wondering, too. Looking further into Terry, they found some disturbing emails that she had sent off to friends over the past several months. While they never mentioned anything about actually doing something bad to Kyron, in them, she openly admitted to not really liking the seven-year-old in the slightest. Terry and Kane's marriage was in a rocky patch at the moment, and it seems she blamed all that on young Kyron. These emails were never made public, so we don't know exactly what they said, but they were shown to Kane, as well as Kyron's mother, Desiree, who had this to say about them. The emails show she had a severe hatred for Kyron. She blames a lot of the marital problems between Kane and herself on him. It was a huge point of contention in their marriage, and she had expressed in great detail her hatred for Kyron. I now believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that not only is she capable of hurting him, that it's clear that she could have hurt him in the worst possible way. In addition to all this, Kyron had also been acting withdrawn in recent weeks. And teachers noticed it, so did Kane, but especially Desiree. So, was the boy perhaps being mistreated in some way or another, and this disappearance was the culmination of that? Terry, in a quest to redeem herself, was then set up for another lie detector test. When she didn't like the line of questioning, she just got up and walked out of the room entirely. She would eventually go in and do a third test and complete it fully. However, this one she also failed. So, within just 10 days after Kyron vanished, the police officially changed the case from that of a missing person to a criminal investigation. While she was never officially a suspect, all eyes were on Terry, but they needed more hard evidence if they were going to arrest her. And while that didn't exactly come true, another very strange bombshell would occur that would cause an abrupt end to Terry and Kane's marriage less than a month after this entire case began. And it would cast a lot more doubt on Terry and lead many to believe she had done the unthinkable. A few days after the case was turned into a criminal investigation, Rodolfo Sanchez, who was a landscaper for Kane and Terry, came into the police station to report that around five months prior, Terry had approached him and offered him up a lot of money to kill her husband. Police saw an opportunity to get more dirt on Terry, and so they wired Sanchez up with a microphone and had him meet up with Terry to try and have her admit this because... After all, at this point, it was just a man's word. But at the meeting, things didn't go as planned, and so they didn't catch her slipping in any sort of way. Morally, considering what was happening, the authorities had to tell Kane about this. Even though they would have liked more time to try and catch Terry incriminating herself, 
if she did in fact try to hire this man and she also had something to do with Kyron going missing, Kane could be in serious danger. With all the rumblings about Terry's involvement, the emails, the strange stories, Kane was already losing a lot of trust in his own wife. So when he got word she had hired someone to kill him, he took his daughter and moved out immediately. He obtained a restraining order and by June 28th he had filed for divorce. Interestingly, Kane said that after about a month of having Kiara with just himself, she was much better both health-wise and a happy personality shone through. She's a new kid, he said. She's a whole new kid now. Cases have been attempted to be built against Terry over the years, and pulling all the available evidence and witness testimonies. They look to create formal indictments on her, but they've always just fallen short. On June 1st of 2012, Desiree filed a civil lawsuit against Terry, claiming that she was responsible for the disappearance of Kyron. In it, the lawsuit attempted to prove that Terry had kidnapped Kyron on the day he disappeared, with Desiree seeking $10 million in damages. But by July 30th of 2013, it was announced that she had dropped the lawsuit against Terry as not to interfere with the ongoing police investigation. So, that too led nowhere. Which, essentially, brings us up to now. To this day, the Multnomah County Sheriff's Department is still actively seeking any and all leads in the case. But, without a breakthrough, we're still no closer to solving Kyron's disappearance after more than a decade. As to what really happened to him, we may never know for sure, but a mother's instincts may tell us all we need to know. Desiree recounted in an interview at one point that just a few days after her son had gone missing, she said she felt both the presence of God and her son in a quiet moment outdoors when she felt the wind pick up and the warmth of Kyron's touch on her hand. He told me, Mama, I'm okay. There is a God and I'm with him and I'm happy and okay. And you need to be okay too. I said I can't be okay because I need answers. I don't want you to be with God. I want you to be with me. While the case is still actively ongoing, we all hope that for the Horman family, answers and a sense of peace will someday be obtained. So that's it for this week's episode of Every Town. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Go check out this episode in video form over on our YouTube channel called Scary Mysteries. And for more podcasts from us, check out the Scary Mysteries podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember to come back next week for another episode filled with scary, strange, and mysterious stories. Because you never know. Maybe your town will be next. <laughs>